0: Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words.
1: Hi, Michelle. Hi, hey, Caitlin. <laughs> What's up? Oh, not much. We just had <laughs>
0: <laughs> We had a really good interview with someone um, and excitingly for us, we get to share it with you after we have our intro. So yes. we're still on the high from having such a great chat with our lovely guest.
1: Yes, which probably will translate quite well because it will be immediately after this interview. Yeah. so it's, we don't often do that.
0: No, usually it's like weeks or months in advance, yeah. because we only release we have fortnightly to, now. so We have
1: to plan ahead, guys, but yeah. this somehow worked
0: out that we have a gap. So, yeah. <laughs> so you get to enjoy it straight away. Yeah. Um, what have you been reading, watching, doing, da-da-da? da da I started watching The Office. The US version? Yeah,
1: the US version. I mm-hmm. haven't actually watched the UK version.
0: <laughs> but um, It's so outdated now anyway. I know. It's like early 2000s. I know.
1: Well, the first season of the US one is like oh five oh six, So it's still mm. outdated. And oh my God, the references to Trump are so funny. <laughs> I love watching things like this now where they have these either things set in the past and they have these funny references to Trump or things that were just made 10 years ago. And, like, the Steve Carell character, because he's the boss of The Office or whatever. He literally has a reference in one of the early episodes about how he thinks he's not like Donald Trump because he doesn't like firing people. Because he was on The <laughs> Apprentice. So it's like... You're
0: fired. Oh, it's very I funny. I always forget that very funny. Funny. he did that. I don't know. I know. It's just... Ugh. Anyway.
1: It's just so funny because he was started talking and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I had to, like, remind myself... That this joke is not about President Trump. It's about host of the office Trump. And Mm -hmm. I was like, ugh. Anyway. Ugh, I hate our world sometimes. Ugh. But the show is very, very funny. Again, I keep having to remind myself that it was made in 2005. Mm. And so there are a few things that, like, while they're trying to address things, I'm like, wow, this would be handled differently now, even in, you know, a sitcom. But... But it is, it is very funny and it's just so dry and honestly, I get why everyone loves it because if you've ever worked in an office environment, <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. But, the
0: show that I love for that is called Utopia and it's set oh set yes, in a is, government this, yep. department and you're just like, yes, this is like bureaucratic love... office life where it's just wasting time and taxpayers totally. dollars. Yeah. I know. And everything's like gotta be like you've got to have a plan for the plan, for the plan to be in place. And oh, 100%. it's just bureaucracy at the next level. Yeah. I haven't so watched funny. utopia
1: like religiously, but I've seen bits and pieces and it is so good. And I would
0: hate to work parts in Office and like Recreation
1: that. that I watched last year is yeah. also like it's set in a a government department in the u.s but similar sort of thing where it's mm. like nothing ever gets done God. or they're wasting their time on silly things and it's like the parks department so they're like hosting events in the park and so it's <laughs> so funny and that's the other thing is that the office it's like a paper company which i never realized what they were actually doing
0: yeah. in the office but yeah. it's like
1: they're selling paper
0: yeah. and i'm like this is so stupid it's so weird but I would so hate good. to see it's so, it's so odd. Cause like, obviously I have had an office job for five mm. years, but a newsroom is a newsroom not an office. Be, no, like it's,
1: It would be totally different.
0: Oh my God. We are so rude to each other. Mm-hmm. We swear all the time. Like there's noise all the time. Things get done because you have a daily deadline yeah. to do them, and if you don't have a deadline, nothing gets done. Like the amount
1: of times I've so thought different. that my office would make a fantastic reality show.
0: Oh my gosh! Our boss used to come out and be like, like join our lunch conversations, and be like, "You guys should have a reality show. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> where are the cameras? Let's oh my go. goodness! Yeah. But I, it's just very funny, and oh, John Krasinski <laughs> as
0: Jim. <laughs> I can see why he has such a big fan base
1: Yes, I just I love his character And it's it's sort of reminding me At the moment of Not of Chris Pratt's character But like knowing now What are we, almost 15 years down the track That like You know, like the glow up Almost of (laughs) like But he's so funny I never appreciated how funny John Krasinski was I don't think I've seen him in all that much
0: I've seen but, him in a couple of rom coms, I think. Yeah, yeah.
1: But God, he's funny. <laughs> it's
0: really funny. Well, my TV recommendation is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, really dark and moody. It's something I recorded <laughs> it basically describes our friendship. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, it's something I recorded on BBC One like six months ago, because I read the description mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that sounds sort of interesting. It's called Broken mm-hmm. and it's about a Catholic priest and like his parish, okay. um which I was like, oh, it sounds kind of interesting. Ah, I'll whack the recorder on, whatever. But I've kind of been like, oh, do I really want to watch this? I don't think it's going to be any good. Anyway, I started watching it, and um, it has the lead, I can't remember her name, from Marcella in it. So, in the first oh, episode. Right, right. So, that kind of hooked me in because <clears throat> it, it turns out it's really more about the life of the people in the parish than, and not in like, like when I say parish, drama. it makes it sound like a village, but it's not. It's like, set in a city somewhere it's quite low socioeconomic area and it's just really different from what i expected um so it's not
1: like a small town community thing it's just like the people who happen to go to that church yeah
0: and it's like people who are doing it tough like the first episode um I'm gonna call her Marcella because I can't remember what her name is. She's like super, super, super poor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's on the breadline, she's got three kids. She gets fired from her job for being late because she was taking her daughter through the first communion thing, and she Aww. starts a fight with her boss, and then, you know, he the priest Michael tries to help. He's like, Oh, the priest is Sean Bean. really famous he's from Lord of the Rings he's like super famous actor like if you saw him you would be like I'm sure I know
1: who it is but
0: yeah yeah. he's incredibly famous um and I've never seen him in a role like this before but he's really like he's not a holier-than-thou priest he is in fact he does some stuff that's probably quite questionable um and so by the end he sort of is losing his faith a little bit in himself yeah um and there's this really like it ended on it's a really lovely kind of thing it's unfortunately it's his mother's funeral and he's doing it but then all the people who he's helped throughout it's only six episodes Mm because it's british so it's a nice arc all the people he's helped like come and take communion and he gives them the wafer and they're like um amen you wonderful priest and then like the little girl says that and then they all start saying that each time and you can see him like feeling a bit so it's all the people who he's helped but there's this it kind of goes through the way they interact so there's like um a shooting of a mentally ill teenager um who's black by a white police officer and so it goes through all that and there's sort of a cover-up amongst the police force and you know one of the cops comes to him and is in confession is like they're gonna lie I don't know what to do like he helps a lot of people um and by the end it all sort of weaves together which is our favorite sort of thing how it all comes together um all the connections yeah so and he's you know was abused as a boy and um yet still became a priest and it's just really it was very much different from what I expected. Very interesting, um, but yeah, quite quite dark but with moments of like hope and light and stuff. But yeah, it was amazing though. Wow. Yeah. So it was just a random I've never heard anyone else talk about it. Just saw it and was like, oh I'll just put the pop the recorder on. Like, yeah. Totally random. Nice
1: when you get like a random find like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know, because, like,
1: one show that I've finished watching now that I was watching with Monica, it was... I think I talked about it before. It was on Amazon Prime. It was called Red Oaks. Oh, okay. But I'd never heard of it before. But Mm. it was, like... It's, like, three seasons, about ten episodes each or something, and it's, like, each summer at this country club. And it was just... Like, I guess I would call it a sitcom. Yeah. Eh, Bit of comedy, bit of drama. But, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, set in, like, the mid-'80s, and, like, it was... It was really, it was really good. I really liked it. I think you would like it too. But yeah, it's yeah. sort of one of those ones that was just like a bit out there. Because often, oftentimes, you know, you come across those shows that you're like, oh, I heard heaps about this mm. three years ago, but we don't get it because we're in Australia. Yeah, or like, or like Luther.
0: I really, I know I need to watch Luther because everyone in the UK is raving about mm. that. And I trust them. Same with Marcella, actually. Mm. I heard people talking about that long before I saw it on Netflix and was like, oh, heard good things. I'll watch that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I know, and bizarre. it happens all the time that I'll be like, oh, I'm sure I've heard about this. Yeah, everyone and, was
0: talking about this on Twitter three years ago. Yeah,
1: and, like, all my family will be like, what? And I'm like, it's because you're not active on the internet. <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, yesterday I had a really funny thing with my family. I was just hanging out at my parents' house and I was talking to my younger brother about Endgame, Avengers Endgame. We're getting very excited, but... They released new posters for every single character and all the ones who are currently dead are facing the one way and all the ones who are currently alive are, like, facing the other way except for, like, three people. And I'm like, what does this mean? Which way are they facing? Like, well, they're facing the same way as the people who are currently dead. I'm like, what does this mean? Is everyone uh, facing right going to come back? Like, I, uh, what are they trying to tell us? How did no one notice this that they were all facing the like that there was like three people who should be facing the other way if that's Ooh. all it is? So I'm like, what okay. does this mean? And I was talking to Harry about this, and Monica and my dad are like, This is what you get for spending too much time on the internet, Caitlin. They're like, it probably means nothing. And then they were like, remember a couple of weeks ago when you were saying all this stuff also about Taylor Swift releasing new music? They're like, you wouldn't are inventing this all in your head. And I'm like, I know. I'm like, it's my fault. This is what the internet has turned me into.
0: Oh, everything's a conspiracy theory on the internet.
1: Everything's a conspiracy theory. But, like, it's the only way they produce hype mm-hmm. for all this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So
0: they know what they're doing. Yes. Marvel and Taylor Swift know what they're doing. They do. I just want to figure it out. <laughs> um, I also finished two really good books yes. in the last week. So one was a poetry collection <clears> called <throat> Hold Your Own. Um, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just quick mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, it was by Kate Tempest, um, mm-hmm. who also wrote The Bricks That Built the Houses, which I really loved. Um, and I finally got around to it, like, a couple of years after Lucy Powery told us to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really interesting reflection on gender. And even though I said it was a poetry collection, and believe me, I was like, oh, poetry collection. <laughs> Um it's really easy to understand and it's not like daunting at all and it's really beautiful and <laughs> not
1: like too highbrow for us.
0: Oh, not like that time I tried to read Shakespeare for uni and you know quit uni instead. <laughs> I didn't quit I just Prolonged. like I deferred for the semester anyway for, for multiple reasons you know like moving overseas but also because I was like holy shit this Shakespeare thing needs more time than I've got at the moment um but yes it's really really good it is about it's based on the myth of Tiresias um it's a Greek myth where a boy gets turned into a woman spends seven years as a woman and then is turned back into a man and then during a fight with Zeus and Hera gets his eyes taken out but then Zeus gives him like the second sight to be a prophet so it's split up into like it okay. explains it all at the start of the book. You don't even have to know what it is. I cl- cl- Do you think I knew before I started reading the book? No. <laughs> the first poem, the first really long poem, explains the whole thing. And you're like, this is so fascinating. So, yeah, it's really, I really do
1: wonderful. Love a bit of Greek mythology.
0: Yeah, so it's mm. a kind of a retelling of that. Um, and the other one was The Lost and the Found by Kat Clark, which was a really, really cool, like, YA thriller, which I just raced through in a couple of days because mm. I love her books for that. So this girl's sister was abducted when she was a little kid 13 years later she's coming home what happens next it's really cool I love a story like that it's like oh, where have you been yeah. I thought you were dead you're yeah. still alive <laughs> it was so cool it was so cool I loved it did you read
1: anything are you reading anything oh no I have been I've got like seven books or something freaking currently reading I <laughs> was still making my way through underdog and reading the impossible quest series in preparation for capricorn mm-hmm. but i did start
0: star crossed oh the yeah mini-dark. i started that too but yes. i thought you'd like, want to talk about it
1: yeah so we've both started reading it as has um your friend maddie and we're yes. gonna like buddy
0: read it which i'm so excited for yes because it just was by coincidence she came back from brisbane and she's like oh i bought all these new books and i was like oh which ones did you buy? Like, I need to know this stuff. And she mentioned Starcrossed. And I was like, oh, my God, we're going to get copies of that for the podcast. Yep. P.S. Thank you, Penguin Random House, yes, for sending us copies so of much. Starcrossed. Um, but, yeah, I was like, oh, my God, we should read it together. So it was just a total coincidence because, obviously, Caitlin and I had already planned to read it.
1: Yeah. So we're doing a bit of a buddy read and we've yeah. all started it. And it's so cute. It I can't wait to keep sweet. reading it.
0: I'm really enjoying it.
1: But this is also... Just reminded me. So for anyone who doesn't know, I'm just going to quickly read a bit off the back. So it says...
0: Basically, Justine is an aspiring journalist and she runs into an old flame, an old teenage crush of hers, Nick. Childhood friend, yes. And Nick has this unwavering belief in the guy who writes the The horoscopes for the paper that Justine works at. And so it has
1: this whole focus on
0: like astrology and horoscopes yeah. and
1: destiny and everything. And
0: so she decides to tinker with destiny just a little bit. <laughs> so it's quite cute. Yeah, very
1: funny. But it just reminded me because I, I am not, I'm not an expert. I'm this may be wrong, but I think Mercury retrograde like just finished. <gasps> I or heard something. about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I saw that the other day, and then I was like, oh my. God, because <laughs> last weekend I got a flat tire. Yeah, you had a pretty shitty weekend. Had, I've had so many little things like that happen where, so last weekend I got a flat tire. I drove from my work car park to the local theatre because I was in, it, it was the last weekend of Kinky Boots, which I think I talked about in our last week's intro. So I drove like across the road. And then I was like, oh, my God, I have a flat tyre. And then my dad, such a gem, came and fixed it, like, during the show because I couldn't do it. Um, and then I had to go take it to get fixed. And then on Wednesday, I think on Wednesday, I walked across to the shopping centre to get lunch for work and it wasn't raining. But then when I left, it was raining. <laughs> and I got completely soaked and I had to try and drive t T-shirt in the bathroom. And it's like, this is... When does that happen? When Mercury's retrograde. Grade.
0: Yeah. Uh, well. I think um, horoscopes are fun. I think so. they're fun. I don't believe in them. I but don't believe in them that much.
1: But I was like, I have someone to blame these random <laughs> exactly. bad events on.
0: <laughs> and with that, um, I, f- I foresee that you will really enjoy this interview. I think that's written yes, in your stars. That's our prediction. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy. this week is a man of many, many talents. He has spent a decade working as an actor, singer and dancer on Australian and New Zealand tours of musicals, including Mary Poppins, Guys and Dolls and Cats. Then in a total career 180, he moved into the world of publishing, where he's recently celebrated his first commercial undertaking as an editor by releasing the amazing Underdog Short Story collection. Welcome to Better Words, Tobias Madden.
2: Thank you you so much.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. We're thrilled to have you and to
0: chat all about Underdog.
2: It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, I guess Underdog is the best place to start then. So how did you make this happen? Yep, Give us the whole story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I could talk about this for about six hours, but I'll try and give you a reasonably brief rundown. Um, It kind of all came about uh, in 2017. I was working on Um, my very first manuscript, a YA kind of fantasy manuscript. Um, And I'd set this goal to write a book before I was 30. And so I I kind of was um, pretty deep into all of that. And so I started going to all of these events in Melbourne, like every sort of panel and conference and book launch and all that sort of stuff that I could find just to really um, immerse myself in that world of YA fiction. And at every event that I went to, Um, whoever was moderating the panel would always ask the audience, um, if there were any writers in the, in the audience today. And pretty much every time everyone's hand went up, like without a doubt. And some people were a bit shy about it, but a lot of people, they just shot straight up into the air. Um, and I just look around and think, God, we're all writers. Like there are so many people here that, you know, uh, wanting to get published and have this goal. Um, and so I started thinking in my head about all these people that had, um, stories that would probably never get told because, you know, publishing is super competitive and, and it's pretty hard to break into. So I um, started thinking about what I might be able to do to sort of help other writers like me who, who were dreaming of getting published. Um, and then I was inspired, obviously, by um, the first Love Osway anthology, Begin and Begin, edited by um, Danielle Binks. And sort of looking at that and how that was structured, I thought, well, maybe I can make one of them, but um, just for unpublished writers, um, which, you know, looking back on it seems like a kind of stupid idea because <laughs> trying to publish a book with, you know, full of stories that no one's um, ever heard of the authors or anything like that seems like kind of a long shot. Um, but I'm, I'm so, so thrilled that I did sort of follow through with that idea in the end. Um, the, the process itself... Was a huge, huge learning curve for me. I'm not a professional editor. I've never worked in publishing. I don't have a degree in publishing or anything like that. Um, but I thought I'd be able to <laughs> figure it all out, which luckily <laughs> you're an um,
1: too. I love that. Yes, I mean, exactly.
2: That's I mean, yeah, kind of the whole you did. Thing. But
1: I love the optimism. Now. You're like, I can do
2: this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I. I think, you know, after working as as an actor for so long, you kind of just have to set your mind to something and say, all right, I'm just going to do that. And all of the odds are against me, but let's do it anyway. Um, So, yeah, then I just kind of tried to learn everything I could and I recruited um, a wonderful um, team of collaborators um, through Instagram, um, three um, wonderful bookstagrammers um, who I just direct message completely out of the blue so I'm lucky they replied at all to be honest um, <laughs> but yeah so they were so helpful in, in sort of getting word out and setting up that initial platform you know I made a website and um sort of tried to start spreading the word and eventually when we opened submissions um I was terrified that no one would submit any stories and we'd end up with like 10 stories that I kind of <laughs> was forced to publish just by default um, <laughs> But in the end, I think we ended up with about 107 submissions, which I was blown away by, wow. um, you know, because it, there's no name behind this. There's no big publishing house or, you know, famous editor or famous writer or anything behind it at this point. So I was kind of really overwhelmed by the fact that um, there were that many people who were willing to put their faith in, in my project. Um, and the stories we ended up with were brilliant. You know, we, um, the, myself and the three other girls, we read, um, sort of a quarter of the stories each, and each picked our favourites um, and ranked them all, and then I sort of went through that list and and um, put together the final the final twelve stories, um, trying to balance themes and that sort of stuff as well. Um, and yeah, we ended up with this this wonderful collection of stories that I'm just beyond proud of. Um, the writers are all so talented, and you know we went through a pretty full on editing process, like any author would, just to make sure everything was. Kind of really flawless, um, and I, I think it is. I'm sure there'll be some typos in there somewhere, but um, I think yeah, we've we've got this great product, and then um, we were super lucky that we ended up um, landing this distribution deal with um, another wonderful Australian publisher, Black Ink Books, um, who sort of really took me under their wing and were so helpful and and so patient with my billion questions that I had at every sort of step of the way. Because um, often I also, you know, wasn't 100% sure what they were talking about. So I had to do some creative Googling of acronyms and stuff like that to make sure I was answering questions properly. Um, yes. But yeah, they, they were really helpful. And, and without them, you know, we wouldn't have ended up with the book on, you know, on shelves all around the country and in, in libraries and schools and stuff. It would have ended up being a, a bit of a smaller scale Um, production. But yeah, we were super, super lucky um, that they were happy to partner with us and and support emerging authors. And yeah, then that's kind of the brief version, I think.
1: (laughs) So then from, you know, from your idea and contacting, you know, your your little team that you ended up creating, submissions, reading all the stories to the book being, you know, on bookshelves, how long was that whole process?
2: Um, so I, I'm pretty sure I made the website in about, um, September or October 2017, um, and contacted, um, the girls on Instagram and then, um, yeah, published on the, the 5th of March. So just under a year and a half, I guess.
1: Wow. That's pretty quick really, isn't yeah. it? For
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah it's funny, like it it seems like it's been a million years because I've been working on it kind of nonstop um, you know like I have other jobs as well, so I'm kind of working during the day and then I would come home and work you know three or four hours on underdog every day um, so it feels like a lot longer for me, but yeah, in a scheme of things from from literally nothing to then books on the shelves you know in in under a year and a half is pretty cool It's
0: quite amazing, yeah like. Publishing usually works so much slower. Yeah. It's incredible, especially for yourself having no experience in that. Before. <laughs> like I know Begin and Begin came out, seemed to come out quite quickly, but, you know, Danielle has worked in that space for ages and, yeah, yeah that's amazing. Of course,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> so then how do you feel about, you know, the response um, from the rest of the world so far?
2: Um, It's been really, really lovely. Um, It's so, like, you know, with any creative thing, you never know how people are are going to respond. Um, But kind of every step of the way, I was blown away by everyone's support, you know, whether that was um, the writers or, you know, these other publishers we're working with or just the community sort of getting excited about it in the lead-up to it. I was really blown away, Um, you know, because none of us have ever published books before. We don't have any reputation you know we're just a bunch of randoms really so um, <laughs> it was really cool um, how excited the love, Osweye, love oh my god so good the love a community um how excited they got for it um, and then since the release you know we've had yeah a really lovely response people um are really thrilled with how um, diverse the anthology is and the stories are um and really sort of getting behind these new authors and and already sort of saying, you know, I can't wait to read, you know, your debut novel when that comes out, all that sort of stuff. Um, And we've also had um, a really cool response from schools already. Um, We've heard of a few schools who are studying a couple of the stories in class already, which is, like, completely mind-blowing. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Yeah, one of of our authors, Sophie, um, her her young daughter came home one day from school and she said that one of her friends, um, is studying underdog. And Sophie was like, Oh no, no, no. I think, I think you must mean something else. And she was like, no, no, no. She was like, it's, it's a book and it's got green leaves. And they, they said the story's called breathe me in, which is Sophie's story. Um, and it turns out, you know, she asked the, you know, this girl's mom and they're like, yeah, yeah, they're studying it in, in class, And I think they're only in grade four, which is um, much younger than our target audience, but Sophie's story is <laughs> totally um, appropriate for that age as well. And, yeah, so we're hearing these little stories start to trickle in. And um, I also had a, I think, a 15-year-old um, guy email me the other day saying, you know, he just started Underdog and he sort of read it all through the night and just finished and really wanted to just email and say, you know, how much he enjoyed it. And, and those sort of things are really sweet. You know, to hear That's from
0: lovely.
2: yeah, to mm. hear from teenagers, which is who we write the book for. You know, um, mm. is really really special.
0: It's so diverse in terms of you know the general diverse like what we mean when we talk about diversity in terms of ethnicity and sexuality and stuff like that. But the other thing I loved about it is how diverse it was in terms of genre of story. Mm-hmm. So there's so yeah. many different it's not all contemporary. It's not, and then it's not all one style of contemporary either. Like all the yeah. contemporary stories feel very, very different. different.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I, again, I think we were, we were just so lucky with um, some of those submissions that we received. And like when we were sort of um, selecting the stories, uh, our our sort of primary focus was the, the quality of the writing and the, and the stories themselves, obviously, you know, um, the main sort of goal for the anthology was to promote emerging writers and, and, you know, give them a chance to tell their stories. Um, but then, you know, I think really, really fortunately for us, the stories that we connected with the most also happened to be incredibly diverse in both senses. Um, and I remember sitting down and sort of trying to work out the order of the stories would go in and just looking at them, you know, all together like that and going, geez we've got like you know such a range here like it was really really exciting
0: yeah absolutely and it is so compelling as well like Mm -hmm. i just raced through a lot of the stories i just (laughs) didn't want to stop it was just really wonderful i think that
1: also speaks to how different the stories all are is because sometimes with a short story collection or you know something like that i i have felt in the past that i need to read one and then like have a break and then read the next one. Mm. So I don't get them all mixed up.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I don't know what you mean. There
1: is because they're so different, which is so wonderful. I haven't really had that feeling with underdog.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's um, like, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've read the stories. Um, and, <laughs> and like, I still enjoy them. Like some of them still make me cry every time I read them. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know, like I love them personally, which is really cool for me to, you know, as the editor, to, to be able to enjoy them so much and connect with them. So that whole process for me was, was really fun, you know, fine tuning all of the stories with each, each of the writers um, was really, really exciting. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Um... So it'll be great to talk about your story specifically. And for people who haven't read Underdog yet, it's very strong Billy Elliot vibes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So what was the inspiration there and why did you want to tell that story?
2: Um, I, like this story is sort of half my personal experience um, and half, you know, a vast exaggeration of that. (laughs) Um, So like I was never you know, going to be in the Australian ballet school or anything like that. But I did dance a lot growing up, obviously, Um, and I very much grew up in that world. Um, But, yeah, I really wanted to to tell a story, um, you know, of of what it's like to grow up as as a male dancer, especially in a country town in in Australia, Um, because it's not always that easy. And I think, you know, boys who grow up dancing have to develop a pretty thick skin pretty quickly. Um, if they want to continue with that, you know, for the rest of their lives, because it's, yeah. you know, when you could be doing something that's so much more typically, you know, a, a boy's activity, uh, especially in the country, um, yeah, I feel like you can, you can cop a lot of flack at school um, for that sort of thing. So, yeah, I just wanted to delve into that and, and exaggerate my own experience of that so that it was, you know, um, much more relatable and, and dramatic for everyone.
1: Yes, Yes, we all love a bit of drama, but uh, (laughs) you know, you are you are so right there, and I think again, not really like your story made me think of anyone in particular that I know, but that experience. I mean, like you know, we said to you before that Michelle and I have both been involved with a couple of musicals here and there, and like you know, I all my friends growing up, I was never a super good dancer or anything, but all my (laughs) friends in high school were dancing, and they were at the Stedfords and the dance festivals, and. You know, the guys were almost always everyone's favorite, but they still were fun like, yeah. of at school and everything. So I think that story growing up into it is you know, it's not one I've seen before. So I really enjoyed your story.
2: Yeah, thank you. And I think as well it's it's interesting because, you know, boys that do dance, they are always like a total celebrity at the dance school and at yeah. the dance events. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. in, in those settings, they're really looked up to and everyone thinks they're amazing and, and, you know. Yeah,
1: and, like, all the little boys always love, like, all the yeah, boys. Yeah, exactly, and totally. And just for everything, the boys always get cast because there's not enough boys, you know.
2: Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So in those settings, like, they're, you know, they're really at the top, but then when you flip it on its head and just in that normal sort of school setting or when you have to suddenly, you know, go and play school sport, like, it's it's a very different situation for those guys. So I think that that sort of contrast between the kind of two lives that they lead is really interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well,
1: then the other contrast I suppose we could ask you about is how you felt writing for the anthology and also editing the whole thing. Like, what were your experiences there, both editing everyone else's stories and, I suppose, your own, but also being one of the contributing authors?
2: Um, yeah, it was really interesting. Like, it kind of felt like... Um, because the the actual editing and sort of compiling part of the whole process and, and the publishing part was, you know, the, the majority of my work, the story mm-hmm. kind of just like slipped in through the cracks almost. Like <laughs> I, I wrote it and I worked really hard on it, but like I, I wrote it and then after that, it kind of was just there underneath everything else. Um, I was really lucky uh, that I had um, an assistant editor um, who is also one of the contributors, Sarah Taviani, who's like the most brilliant editor I've ever worked with. I haven't worked with a lot, but she's amazing. Um, (laughs) She obviously edited my story, so I wouldn't have to do it myself because that's virtually impossible.
1: Um, Yeah, Move on. (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly. And so that was really helpful for me. Um, But yeah, it was a a very different experience because I'm so used to just writing and, and I love that and I love just getting absorbed in the work and all of that sort of stuff. But then... Working on um, the other stories with the authors, I, I just learnt so much from all of them, from their writing and, and from working so closely on their stories. Um, yeah, it was really intriguing to sort of try and um, work in, in their individual styles, because obviously as an editor, um, you know, you kind of need to, uh, in the end, remain unseen. Like it needs to seem like you haven't been involved in that story at all, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was quite interesting for me to sort of um, put on that hat and try and learn how to, to make the stories really shine without leaving my own mark on the stories, kind of. It was really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I love editing for that. Like, it's, it's so interesting. It's such an interesting process. Um, mm. Yeah, because you shouldn't you – shouldn't, your work, if you've done your job properly, should be invisible, exactly
2: really? yeah yeah which is <laughs> which is strange as a writer because yeah. you want to it's the opposite like as a writer you need to make everything as visible as possible um so yeah it was it was really interesting but i loved it so much like i i think that that kind of skill set sort of um comes kind of naturally to me so i was lucky in that sense that it it was something that i took to um quite well i think. Um, but I would, I would love to do more editing. I, I find it so, so enjoyable.
0: Um, and obviously, Underdog has only just been released, but are there any plans for more? Volume 2. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've actually had so many people ask me um, already, which is really cool, Like, which is really nice. And again, it just goes to show how many um, writers there are out there. And, you know, I think with, if we can come up with these 12 stories um you know with literally no reputation and nothing behind us at all um I do think it would be pretty amazing to see how we could build on that now that we sort of can start establishing you know the underdog name and um yeah now that we've you know sort of been recognized by being published I think yeah it just goes to show how many how many brilliant writers there would be out there in the whole pool of Australian writers, you know, and I would really, really love to, to continue to support emerging writers in some way. I just don't exactly know what the best, um, what the best next step would be. Um, obviously, you know, an anthology works so well because you get to include, um, you know, a wide variety of authors and a, and a nice number of authors. Um, but I think, you know we sort of have to keep focusing on on this this one anthology for a little while at least before we start thinking about another one um but i'd also really love to think about publishing some full length novels um in a couple of years time um or whenever really but um <laughs> yeah it's will let you. <laughs> yeah exactly it's um yeah there's a lot there's a lot to think about and you know obviously this, this project um, rested very heavily on my shoulders, which I really enjoyed, but, it, you know, it was pretty stressful at times. And I think mm-hmm. um, if I was to expand on the first underdog anthology, whether that be another anthology or, you know, um, a novel of some kind, I think I would like to, um, yeah, have a bit more of a team behind it next time mm-hmm. so, that we can, so that we can really, really push and work and, and achieve, you know, the best result possible.
0: Absolutely. So many exciting times ahead. And like you said, you've got yeah. the underdog brand now. Um, exactly. You can definitely
2: Ready to build be expanded on. on. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it would be really silly um, to not like to just do this and then be like, okay, that was cool. Let's, you know, let's forget about that <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, like, I think that would be really yeah. silly. And I think, you know, there's, there's definitely um, a market for it. And there's definitely a lot of people that, um, you know, would want to be involved. So. I'm definitely going to um, sit down and, and have a really, really good think about um, what the best thing to do would be next, I think, yeah, because I think it, it would need to be a, a carefully considered sort of decision. Um, I wouldn't want to jump into anything sort of um, too crazy too soon, but, yeah, I definitely <laughs> I definitely will be planning to do something. I just need to um, have a bit of a sleep and then <laughs> think <laughs> yes. about it. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So as you mentioned in the intro, before you were editing Underdog, you were a professional triple threat performer. (laughs) Um, We would love to hear more about that and more about your life in musicals. How did you get into that and what what made you want to switch careers?
2: Um, So I started kind of late performing, well, compared to a lot of my friends who started, you know, mm-hmm. when they were three, um, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I did my first musical um, in Ballarat, just like a, a local amateur one, when I was uh, 14, I think. Um,
0: what musical was it?
2: I'd, uh, it was Oliver.
0: Um, oh, I love Oliver! <laughs> I know. Me
2: too, And I was not Oliver. I was furious. Um, I was just one of the random, random guys in the ensemble. Um, I know, right. But um, it was so much fun. Um, and so, like, I'd sort of been interested in in performing for a couple of years but hadn't really been sort of game to try. I think originally I actually wanted to be an Irish dancer. Um, but oh I God. never f- – so I, I know I never followed through with that, though. I kind of wish I did. Um, I remember, like, Not I saw um, one of those, like, Lord of the Dance or something on, on TV <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, and then I immediately went to the phone book and, like, tried to find – where I could learn Irish dancing, back in the days where you actually had a phone book because Google (laughs) wasn't invented yet. Um, Yeah, and then I, yeah, so I did this musical and I really loved that. And so then I sort of started looking for more opportunities like that and eventually I joined a dance school and started with tap and then took up jazz and then eventually um, started ballet in year 12. Um, And, yeah, from that point on, that was kind of my one focus. Like I, you know, I was... always a bit of a nerd at school so I love school but um after I did that first show I was pretty much 100 percent on the music theater bandwagon um so then when I finished school I um studied full-time dance in Sydney for a year and then I moved to um Perth and studied at um the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts um which we call WAPA yeah.
0: um
2: yeah <laughs> and yeah, and that was, you know, that was a pretty incredible three years. It's a pretty magical place over there. Um, so that was amazing uh, it's in got itself. It's
0: such an incredible reputation.
2: Yeah, it does. And it's just a, it's a really, really cool place. Um, and, you know, for, for people who love performing, to just be able to literally just sing and dance from, you know, eight till six, five days a week for three years is <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, And the shows that you get to do over there, you know, it's, yeah, it's really cool. So that was a a brilliant, beautiful experience over there. Uh, um, And then I moved back to Melbourne and sort of just started auditioning stuff. And uh, my first job was actually on a cruise ship. I was a um, singer dancer and the dance captain on the Pacific Princess. um, Oh,
1: my God. Which was,
2: uh, it was like, it was one of the coolest experiences of my entire life and I'll never forget a single second of it I don't think um we were just we were really lucky we had a beautiful cast and wonderful shows and we literally sailed around the world we were so lucky with our itinerary um Mm -hmm. because we had a a world cruise as part of it so we you know did some time in the Mediterranean and then did the full sort of circumnavigation and then and then came back to the med for a bit but we got to just go to you know places that as as a child that you would only dream of going like the pyramids and the amazon jungle and easter island and you know all places like that as well as all the normal kind of beautiful cruise destinations like the caribbean and you know all of that um yeah it was pretty mind-blowing actually
1: god that's awesome i went on a cruise for schoolies just on like the east coast of australia (laughs) but the like the performing cast or whatever, I went with my best friend and my mum and we basically stalked them the whole cruise. We went to every show <laughs> and like, you know, knowing that like the cast or whatever would be like running bingo on the deck. Like we went there, we just stalked them the whole time. It was the yeah. best. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's
2: like, it's, it's like living in a fantasy land again. Like, you know, <laughs> I was living on the ship itself for like nine months, which by the end yeah. was a lot. Um yeah. But you know, it's as a, I think, I, how old was it? I think I turned 23 on the ship and before then I'd never left Australia. So, you know, to go from never having been overseas to coming home after visiting like 36 or seven countries was <laughs> pretty crazy. <Wow. laughs> <crap>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and so then from there I, um, when I came back, I got straight into, um, the cast of Mary Poppins kind of halfway through their Australian tour um so I joined them in Sydney and did um Sydney Brisbane Perth and New Zealand with Mary Poppins so that was my first big musical um which was everything I dreamed of and more um what
0: year was it
2: that was 2011 and 12
0: Oh my god! I probably saw you in Brisbane.
2: I <laughs> yes, Brisbane. you absolutely yes. would have. Um, that is so, that's cool. so fun. I love that. Um, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was crazy. And I was really lucky um, to understudy uh, the lead role of Bert. Um, so I got to do that. Um, I think like about twenty times, um, which was just insane. You know, for my first show to be, you know, to have the opportunity to play the lead role. Um, a bunch of times was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, Yeah. yeah, And then, and then from there, like I, yeah, I've done a bunch more shows in Melbourne and and around Australia and um, kind of the full spectrum. Like I've done really big shows like that. I've done really, really tiny shows. You don't earn a single cent, um, but incredibly (laughs) rewarding anyway. Um, Yeah. I've I've been really lucky for that sort of 10 years um, working as a performer. Um, My last big show was Cats. Um, which was always kind of my dream show, and um, I also met my fiance in Cats, so um, that worked oh. out really well.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, I love yeah, romance. That's so. I cute. know. Show I next.
2: know. And the funny thing is, show like, next. Cats. Like, there's we know so many people that have ended up getting married who were in Cats together. It's a there's something about that show in particular that really brings people together. I don't know, maybe the licker. I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely the lacra.
1: Okay, my um, old um, high school is doing cats this year, and my sixteen-year-old oh. brother is
0: going to be in it. His...
2: Perfect. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Oh, that's amazing. The,
1: um, the
0: school musical battles here between all the schools are actually like out of control. Yeah. Oh, one okay. school is doing Matilda. Like, wow. Oh, it's just it's it's getting yeah. too much and the like rich, how can you the rich school is doing yeah
2: yeah uh, of course <laughs>
1: but
0: yeah, um, I'm just like, wow you just every year they just keep pulling the, it out yeah
1: the performing arts community in little old rockhampton is actually pretty insane for a small uh-huh, town
2: Oh but... yes i think i actually know a couple of uh, music <gasps> oh
0: you probably know gretel scarlet
2: yeah i, yes, I went yes. to waffle with gretel
0: Yes, yes, she's wonderful. my, like, little um, six degrees of separation is she was at my high school, well, my school, when I was, like, I would have been in, like, grade two and she was there. Ah. Um, And I did this huge feature on her when she was in Greece. Yeah, when she was in, when she was Sandy. um, I did this huge feature. I remember getting halfway through writing about how she'd started doing, like, neuroscience or something yeah crazy and then I just had to go out to my boss and be like um actually like I've, I know you've given me two pages but can I run it over two parts and have like a total of four pages thank you <laughs> so yeah, yeah her story is so, so
2: interesting yeah she's yeah. great um yeah. and yeah so that was kind of you know my life until I was about um 20 I don't know 28 or 9 I can't remember um 29 I think. Um, and then, you know, you get to a weird point in your life where you're no longer, um, you know, the young guys auditioning, the young sort of dancer guys auditioning for the show, and you're also not, you know, the guys who are playing the dad roles. Um, so a few <laughs> yeah. of my friends are kind of in a similar boat where we all hit 30 and we're like, why is no one giving us a job anymore? We're not um, cast. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, no. really weird. And then I think... I think as well, by that point, sort of my heart also wasn't a hundred percent in it anymore. And, and like, if, Mm -hmm. if you're not a hundred percent committed, it's very, very hard, um, to get a job because, you know, you don't go to auditions with the same energy that you did when, you know, when it was your everything. So, um, Yeah. yeah. And then once I started writing, I, um, you know, I was enjoying that so much and it just seemed like, you know, two, two careers that are, fraught with rejection and it just didn't seem like a good idea to sort of pursue both of them at the exact same time. Um, <laughs> yes. So, much yeah. One heart to take. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, I've got a pretty thick skin by this point, but you know, there's there's definitely a limit to that. Um, so I just figured, you know, performing will always be there. And maybe when I am old enough to, you know, to be the dad in the musicals, <laughs> I'll, I'll go back. But for now, yeah, it just seemed like you know, a lot of things were telling me to sort of just focus on on writing and publishing and, and give that my all and see how that sort of would go. Wow, I love that so
0: much. Maybe one yeah. day you'll be Mister
2: Bat. back. Maybe, that's a thing. <laughs> I, I would love so much to go back to a show that I've already done as one of those older characters. Yeah. There's a couple in Cats as well. Um, yes. Yeah, that could, be, that could be really fun and super weird but really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know, it probably would be a bit weird but I think – you know, getting to a point where you can go back and do shows again, I feel like is a pretty good goal in this
0: world. Yeah,
2: totally, totally.
0: Wonderful. And um, how do you go with your fiancé being in musicals and stuff? Does he have to travel a lot?
2: Um, He does. It it depends on the show. The last couple of years um, he was in the Book of Mormon, so they had um, 12 months in Melbourne and 12 months in Sydney, so that was really easy Mm. because, you know, I just – You know, lived in Melbourne for a year with him, and then we moved to Sydney um, at the start of of last year um, and spent the year here, and now we're just sort of still here. Um, But, yeah, it's I think having one of us still in musicals makes it easier because at least I can be stable if he's going (laughs) to be moving around a lot. Um, But, you know, I love it so much because, you know, every single person I know is in music theatre, and so, you know, it's (laughs) nice to sort of... Yeah, it's nice to just sort of, you know, be in that circle and, um, you know, there's nothing I love more than seeing, seeing him in shows. He's so phenomenally talented. He's a million times better than me. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's really nice to be a part of his journey now because he's got some pretty big dreams and it's yeah. nice to be able to sort of help him work towards them um, instead of, yeah, instead of me doing it myself, which is really nice. Yeah.
0: I have gotta say, we stalked be... you guys a little bit and you guys are so cute. <laughs> you yeah. was oh, so thanks. cute. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're pretty so we're cute. pretty, and, pretty like,
0: happy. Seeing him like post about how excited he was for you with underdog and yeah. now hearing you, know, you say the same things. It's just it's so lovely. lovely. Yeah. I love it. It's so good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, no one has ever been more supportive of me than him and he um you know, he was there every step of the way. Like, he was obviously the first person that I, that I talked to about Underdog when I was like, is this a really dumb idea if, you know, if I try and publish this thing? And he's like, no, that's a brilliant idea. Do it. Like, he's, he's so wonderfully supportive. And, um, yeah, I don't think Underdog would have made it to print without him either. So that's, yeah, I'm super lucky that he's, he's there in my life. Aww. No, so sweet. <laughs> um,
0: Are you working on any other writing projects at the moment? Any other longer form work perhaps?
2: Yeah, so I um, I did finish that um, YA fantasy manuscript that I started um, before all of the underdog stuff. So I, I wrote that um, and um, now I'm sort of trying to find an agent and, and get that out there somehow, um, which is obviously not that easy. Um, mm. And, you know, since since I started working on Underdog so heavily, I've had a little bit less time to sort of um, be focused on that. But I'm, I was happy to sort of just go, you know what, I've written that and I love it and let's just sort of put it aside for a minute so I can do this other, you know, amazing thing that I've got the opportunity to do. Um, so I'm going to sort of, yeah, get back to that soon and start really trying to um, – get someone else to like it as much as I do. Um, <laughs> I think you and, always
0: come back with more clarity too if you take a break from something.
2: Yeah, yeah. totally. And, I, like, I haven't read it – I haven't read that manuscript now for quite – I don't even know, at least probably six, eight months or something. Um, so I really yeah, would love yeah. to go back and, and have a look at that and see um, see what I think. But, yeah, I was, mm-hmm. I was really proud of that. And, you know, because it was the first sort of um, – Manuscript I'd ever written, and and so that was you know it's such a cool achievement in itself to actually write a yes. book at all. Um, and before that point, you know, I'd only written a bunch of short stories. So the that sort of process itself of writing that, you know, was the biggest learning experience I could have you know ever asked for. So that was amazing. Um, I am also working on a um, a contemporary YA manuscript at the moment, um, which is um, sort of inspired. By my underdog short story. Um, I just really enjoyed writing about that sort of ballet world and, and that sort of vibe. So then I decided to um, write a, a longer form um, sort of version of that. It's d- completely different characters, completely different story. Um, but, yeah, just kind of in that, in that same vein. Um, so I'm about 25,000 words into that, I think, um, and I'm really enjoying it. I've never really written contemporary stuff before. I always write fantasy. Um, so, I, yeah, it's really, really fun.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. It. Yeah that sounds incredible. And you know what if your short story is anything to go by, you can definitely write contemporary. I <laughs> do not have a problem with that. so
2: thanks. yeah, it's just yeah, funny. I like think... I think I think a lot of us um, sort of grow up writing fantasy and stuff and you get so used to that that vibe and you know after just writing a, a full sort of fantasy manuscript and having to invent an entire world, like it was so nice to start working on a contemporary and just be like, I don't have to invent a single word like this is all here like (laughs) and of course yeah and of course there's still world building and stuff but it's in a very very different sense um Mm -hmm. to to a fantasy story so it's really refreshing and just to be able to talk about like you know everyday things that that can't you can't talk about in a fantasy like you know when you're like I'll just google that and you know that (laughs) you can say in a contemporary um because it's (laughs) real
0: (laughs) yes um I think Caitlin and I always say that we don't read fantasy and we don't read much but the fantasy or sci-fi or genre fiction that we do end up reading that isn't contemporary I think it, it we like it because the characters are amazing so mm-hmm. if you've got yeah. the right characters then it doesn't really matter what you're writing because you connect with those characters anyway. Yeah. Michelle's main totally.
1: like fantasy and sci-fi is the rules within
0: the yeah. world. She just oh, seems I know. to know how the world works. It's I just find yeah. that I find it's, it's so hard to get into that. like, whereas with a contemporary as a reader,
1: you, you can just pick up works.
0: same thing as for you as a writer. Like you don't have to think about any of this world because it all exists within the world that we know. So yeah,
2: you know, totally. it's not as yeah. much
0: of a struggle for you as a reader to get into it. And maybe that's why a book like Harry Potter is so good. Cause even though it's magical, it's so much based in reality that it's not too much of a stretch for you as a reader to, to understand yeah.
2: the new rules and the yeah. totally, yeah. And I think yeah. like the kind of fantasy that I really like is often that kind of sort of magic realism where it's it's part real and part fantasy. Mm. And yes. I feel like I it's
1: love magical
2: um, realism. <laughs> yeah, that's I love that kind of stuff. Sometimes like you said, it can be a bit hard to dive into a completely new world, especially <clears> if those mechanics aren't sort of executed a hundred percent and you're like, wait, but I thought <laughs> that had to be like that. Then that obviously yep. takes you out of it straight away. But, but again, mm. like you said, it's, it's for me, it's always about the characters. Like if you, if you connect with them, I, I can put up with pretty much anything else happening around them, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter you know genre short story long like whatever it doesn't matter a book could be a thousand pages but if I love the character like you'll yeah play.
2: exactly yeah because yeah, if you want to spend time with them like it's it's that you know whole thing which is so interesting and I feel like you you often know straight away like as soon as you start reading a chapter um if you know you know if you connect with the characters or not it's Yeah. It's that kind of weird, inexplicable thing where you're like, I don't really know why I like this, but I really like it. And I just have to keep reading it. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Absolutely.
0: That's the the gold for any reader.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs)
0: Um, look, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find you and underdog online?
2: Um, so, uh, me, you can find me on Instagram. Um, Uh, what's my thing uh tobias underscore madden um on instagram um i think i have a website as well if you google me i think it all comes up um underdog again you can google that or um our instagram handle is underdog short stories um yeah we'd love to hear from you especially if you if you've read the book we'd love to hear your thoughts oh
0: wonderful Mm -hmm. okay well thank you so much for joining us
1: Everyone go find Tobias and Underdog and buy the book and read it.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> Bye.
2: Thank you so much for having me, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or a view on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us.
1: And you can also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com, and on social media at Better Words Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Bye. Bye.